We're glad you could join us today. Here's Fred Kuhn. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to talk about aging. We're going to talk about retirement and phasing into it or phasing out of it. And our guest today is Sarah Geber. Sarah is the author of the book, Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers. She's a regular contributor to Forbes. She has uh, been quoted and featured exclusively in USA Today, the Huffington Post, Time Magazine, the Wall Street Journal, and all the other publications. And we'll talk a little more about her background in the interview. So Sarah Geber, thank you very much for joining the show today. Thank you, Fred. I'm happy to be here. Well, let's talk about aging. It's a great subject. I'm approaching age of sorts, and uh, my doctor told me the other day I was of age. So uh, I guess I have to believe my doctor, right? So let's talk about work and aging. It's a hard issue for a lot of folks to face. They don't think of themselves as the actual physical age they are. They are sometimes working, sometimes they retired and want to go back. But let's start with those that are currently in the workforce, and they are sitting there a few years away from retirement. What's the best way to not be viewed as a dinosaur? Good question, and I think a lot of people are asking that question today. I have several answers to that, but the primary one is stay up to date. Don't get too heavily into a rut with what you do because technology changes, the ways of doing business change, customers change. So stay up to date by getting involved in new projects. Volunteer to do things that you haven't done before. There are often opportunities to be on task forces or committees that develop new processes. Younger people are always interested in doing that, but, but older workers should be too, and it helps them stay up to date. What do you think the statistics are about those in the workforce who aren't staying up to date? Because I know there's a lot of considerations from management about what to do with them, fair or unfair. So do you have any stats for us that uh, have surveyed and looked at the workforce and say X percent of the people are really engaged, but a lot of them are just sitting there waiting for retirement? Or are there any stats on this? Has any surveys been done? I imagine there have been a few surveys, but I think it varies tremendously from workforce to workforce. People in certain professions are expected to stay up to date or they know they're going to be obsoleted. People who work in any sort of technology field, this isn't news to them what I'm saying. They know they have to stay up to date. But sometimes it's important to hear that message again. However, no matter what field you're in, whether you're in marketing in sales or you're in production or you're in engineering, you know that things change. And the more you can stay alert and aware and change with them, the better off you'll be. It's also important to be a team player. No matter what the ages of people on your team, stay engaged with them. Let them know that that you're willing to do whatever is involved in getting the job done, that you're willing to do some teaching. I'll probably repeat myself several times in that vein, because one of the best things older workers can do is to be somewhat of a mentor or a teacher when needed. Well, one of the things I've seen is a lot of the aging workforce thinks they have to be the leader of a team because of their age, and that has nothing to do 
with the, <laughs> the outcomes of the team. But because I'm older and more experienced, I should be the team leader. And then they get miffed when they're not tapped to be the leader of the team. And sometimes they let their ego get involved and become reticent to the group objectives. So, uh, you know, and recalcitrant, I suppose, would be the yeah. right word. So I guess the, the, the thing that I would advise older workers is be flexible for God's sakes. You're already accused of being inflexible. So learn to be flexible, right? I mean, yes, that part you're of it? so right on that. And I know that it's often a tough hurdle to get over the first time you get a boss that's younger than you. But you know, if you want to stay in the workplace and stay vital and stay active and engaged, at some point you may get a younger boss. I know a number of people that have crossed that hurdle and already they're working for someone 10 or 15 or even 20 years younger than they are. But it can't be. Let's work explore out. that a second, Sarah. Let's explore Excellent. that a second. Okay. You, you, I, let's say that I'm on the workforce. We're in the same company, you and I. And you're younger than me because I know you're younger than me. So you come in. What am I supposed to do? What do I say to you? How do I respond to you? How do I interact with you? How do I get to know you if that's the way it goes? Or how do I bring myself to your attention in a positive way? Well, I think the best thing you can do is just forget about the age difference. Respond the way you would to a boss that was five or ten years older than you. That person has been given the job for a good reason. Either they have appropriate skills or they're being rotated and groomed for a higher position. Something about that person caught the eye of senior management and they've been promoted and now they're your boss. So think of them as a boss. Think of them as, as a manager that is any age. Older than you, younger than you, someone that you need to respect, someone that you need to share information with, and establish as best you can a good working relationship. It really boils down to flexibility, communications, continual learning and education, beefing up your skills to be relevant. Relevance counts in today's market because it's changing so fast, and if you're perceived to not relevant, you're a dinosaur. And when you're a dinosaur, you're out. And another thing I like to tell people is to be curious and stay curious. Ask questions. Find out about that new boss and what she sees as her key strengths or what he sees as his forte in in the uh, business that you're in and share what you think yours is and you'll probably end up being a great help to one another. I think being seen as a viable resource is extremely important without being pushy, without being arrogant about it or ageist about it, <laughs> mm-hmm. is an Im- important agree. approach. Okay, so I am thinking, let's say I'm 60, I'm 61, 62, whatever, and I'm still working, and, but I'm thinking about retirement, and maybe I'm even closer than that to retirement. What should I do? Well, I think the first thing is to think about what is it that's driving you in that direction. Is it just your age? Are you thinking along the lines of, gosh, I'm I'm in my 60s or I'm 65 or maybe I'm 70 and I should be retiring because that's what people do. Some people just simply get into that mindset because of their age. Other people, you may be someone who is starting to get a little tired of the routine, itching to get out there and travel, wanting to 
dust off that hobby that you have put on the back shelf in the garage many years ago. So what I'm saying is identify what's driving you toward retirement. And one good way to start learning about retirement and the retirement transition, and you know, I I almost hate to use the word retirement anymore because most people of the baby boom generation really don't want to fully retire. They don't want to spend the rest of their life on a golf course. They really want to do something meaningful, something that is productive. They don't want to stop being productive citizens. So it's also a good time to start thinking about what that might look like for you. If and when you leave your primary career, what do you see yourself doing? And there are some wonderful books out there on retirement, dozens and dozens of them. And you can go to any um, any good bookstore or search on Amazon and find something that appeals to you. Some of them have little assessments in them that you can take to see what you may be leaning toward. You know, it's not so different than those kind of career aptitude tests that you took when you were just starting right. out as a young person out of college. <laughs> right, right. You're, right, you're sort right. of figuring out what's the new me going to look like after I leave my job. And that's a tough thing to go through, too. Just like the first ones, uh, I'm, I'm working on a, a course I'm trying to sort out, I, I have so much information, I'm trying to boil it down and narrow it down. It's the same kind of thing when you're looking at retirement. What are my options? So I think educating yourself first is the first option, educating yourself as to all the possibilities that might be out there, and then start ranking those in terms of, well, I feel really good about this one, and oh, that's okay. And So I think you're right. It's an assessment of yourself and your capabilities Absolutely. and your desires. Uh, yes. You worked hard all your life. And now you can have some fun. But I tell you, I've talked to hundreds of executives who tell me, oh, I retired, Fred. And, uh, my God, six months of golf is enough. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it gets boring. <laughs> I hear now that what too. can I do? Yeah, yeah, now I what can I do? So, I've heard the term phased retirement. Tell me a little about what phased retirement is. Well, phased retirement has been around for a while, but it's a, a well-kept secret because a lot of the companies that – employ phased retirement, don't like to advertise it. And it's usually a kind of a casual thing. And here's what it looks like. A person decides that they want to start ramping down. They just don't want to work full bore anymore. So they negotiate with their company or either their boss or the human resources department or a combination of the two to work less, either to change their job so that it isn't demanding as many hours, or some people change the quality of their jobs. So they're not so much hands-on, but now they're more of a mentor and a teacher, bringing other people up to speed and transferring their institutional, we call it institutional knowledge. And you, if you've been working in a company for even 10 years, let alone 30 or 40 years, you have a lot of institutional knowledge. You know a lot of history about that company. You know a lot of Uh, You probably know the entire customer base. You've seen the evolution. That's worthwhile information to pass along. And who better to do it than someone like you? So think about whether that's going to be a possibility for you as you leave the career world that you've been in. Other people phase into retirement by working fewer hours. You might be able to go to a three and a half or a four day work week. 
you may be able to, uh, if you are somebody who's traveled a lot, you may be able to cut back on your travel. It's a shift. It's a shift toward retirement, but it is not full retirement. It usually involves people working fewer hours. Sometimes it even involves people working from different sites. Phased retirement may mean that you can, if you're living in the Northeast and what you've always wanted to do is go live in Florida for a few months during the winter, maybe you can work from there. It totally depends on the kind of work you do, of course, and it's something that you have to negotiate with your company. Last question. We're talking here with Dr. Sarah Gibber. And uh, Sarah, the last question I have for you is, when should I start thinking seriously about retirement planning? I don't mean financial portion of it. Should have done that since the day you started work. But I'm talking about the mental health side of it, this feel-good side of it, I call it. (laughs) I think most people naturally start thinking about it somewhere in their late 50s, early 60s. Maybe that's a natural biological phenomenon. I suspect it's more a phenomenon of people just looking at the 60s as the time when people retire. After all, it's the time when you start collecting Medicare. It's the time when you, or sorry, when you go on Medicare, it's a time when you may elect to start Social Security, which you can do while you're still working given certain parameters. Mm -hmm. So people start to think along those lines because it's an expectation. There's no real good answer to that. I know people that are working happily in their 80s. I know people that are just itching to get out and they're 55. So it's such a very personal decision. And I I would hate to name a time period when you should start thinking about it. But I will say when you do start finding yourself daydreaming about what it would be like when you didn't have to go into work eight to five every day, then it's probably time to start really seriously, consciously thinking about what's the plan. Well, here's the thing. I was think, just thinking while you said that, you know, she's right. I sort of drink, get up thinking about, well, boy, wouldn't it be nice if I could do this today or that today? Then I would suggest you start re- looking at the behavior you're exhibiting at work. Have you slacked off? Are you dodging things? Are you And really reflect on that and start studying that because if you're already thinking about it, somebody else has noticed it too in your work. And so it's it's really important not to slack off at the end. In fact, be better at the end. That way you can negotiate these phased retirement plans that you, you want to work out. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Folks, we have been speaking with uh, Dr. Sarah Zeff Geber, author, influencer, specialty niche in uh, solo aging. And um, she's a member of the American Society on Aging, the Life Planning Network, the Transition Network, and the Gerontological Society of America. Sarah, thank you very much for joining us today on the show. And thanks to all of you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you wish to speak with Fred or you want a transcript of this interview, send an email to podcast at stuartcoopercoon.com. See you soon.